I'm Felina. And I'm Summer. And you are listening to Broken Broken. <laughs> because we're both. The podcast about living your best life by getting real. Hello, broken people. This is Felina. And this is Summer. And today we have Mackenzie Pulse with us. Hi. She is a singer-songwriter, a lead, leading lady for uh, the band Layers of Pink, and uh, just a, a neat woman, uh, feminist, and interesting, <laughs> and unique, and I adore her, and so I'm going to let her uh, tell you a little bit more about who she is. Hi everyone, like Felina said, I am Mackenzie Pulse, I front the group Layers of Pink. Um, in my words, I would say that we are like a poetic-driven pop group. I've been describing um, you as moody pop lately. Okay, moody I pop. like that. That's moody pop. I've heard um, pop deconstructionist recently, now moody pop. I started saying like poetic soul pop. Like I don't understand really what we're doing, but we're making, <laughs> we're making music, y'all. Um, so I do Layers of Pink. Uh, I just recently started my own little podcast just for my little Layers of Pink world called Freaky Pinky. It's not like serious it. in any way. Um, <laughs> so if you go over there and think I'm just a total crackhead, like, sorry. Well, um, that's one of you're the welcome. things I appreciate. <laughs> I'm broken. <laughs> sorry, you can, guys. You can relate. <laughs> No, that's one of the things I appreciate about you most is like you are so unapologetically yourself and like always trying to find some other avenue to uh, demonstrate or express Weirdness. yourself. And you don't yes. want to be like, you don't seem to me to like place this big value on being anything in particular. Like you're just very totally. much trying to own your own unique image and, and be yeah. like more and like pushing the envelope to be as mo the most authentic that you can be well, and you. <laughs> I like that about you especially and not to be like ageist but like you're so young well, and uh, <laughs> how old are you I am 23 years old okay but at 23 like I did not own my ident my own identity uh, nearly as much as you do no, at that age and it's very impressive yeah I mean I'm 37 and I'm just now like getting getting there. there yeah man I had really good influences growing up honestly and influences who were always encouraging me to be an artist like the first time I really wrote a song was when I was eight years old I can still remember it to this day it was about a boy Sing that it. I liked oh, oh yes. god Come on. Could you do it? it's literally something like he's got big blue eyes gorgeous blonde hair <laughs> la, la, la. I was like in love with this boy Aww. guys but I remember like so from that like my mom always was like she wrote songs too and my both my parents were musicians so it felt natural to me but they were always encouraging mm -hmm. and like when I wrote my first song that really kind of shaped up into like oh you can actually have some talent like I think I was around 13 and obviously like that song would not you know I wouldn't play it or put it out there now but my mom really latched onto that and she was recording an album at the time and so she just connected me with some people who became my mentors and paid for guitar lessons that were basically someone's just teaching me a bunch of stuff and so by the time I was like 18 you know mm -hmm. 20 at least in like the realm of making music that was probably the most developed part of my identity and the rest was actually just a hot mess <laughs> <laughs> so you're supposed to be a hot mess at 18 to 20 yeah and that's fine when do we get out of that? Because I'm still waiting on that. Yeah. So what were some of the things, like, so you had focused a lot on uh, developing music at a really early age. And yeah. I know that you're a preacher's kid, which some oh, a preacher's too. kid, too. Yes. I have a whole episode about that. You should listen. Both, things, both my divorced parents are oh. both pastors. And wow. so, oh, God. That's so crazy. But I know that <laughs> just from our previous conversations that that's been influential in your music and then like Definitely. in your self like discovery over the last few years as well. So you want to talk about yeah, that. Absolutely. So the hot mess part honestly was mainly surrounding religion and I don't know if this was the same thing for you being a, a PK. Um, but what denomination me, are we uh, talking here? So my <laughs> mom was non-denominational, okay. but the problem was, was that like, um, well, 
problem with that. And my mom doesn't listen to this. She won't. She won't. <laughs> um, the closer knit people were very, um, I don't know where you would put it, because non-denominational, they don't really address, yeah. like, speaking in tongues and things like that. But I remember, like, I'm, like, eight years old, and I'm, like, speaking in tongues. Yes. Air quotes. Um, Same. We so, had a huge apostolic core in our yes. interdenominational, quote, church. Yes. <laughs> and then my real dad, he is very extremist. I mean, like, he's the kind of guy who cannot be in a church. He has to have his own church. He's a huge ah, narcissist. Yes. So even There's if it's, like, five people, mm-hmm. like, he will just have his own church. So when I was 18, like, I'm only 23 now, and I'm just now starting to, well, probably in the last two years, really find my grounding in what I believe about the most basic things in life mm-hmm. because at 18, like, 17 to 18, I started having anxiety to the point that I literally thought I was dying. Like, mm. I would just, my vision would go out randomly, and I would, like, feel a loss of reality. Like, when I... Yes. Okay, so I'm going to talk about drugs for a second. Um, <laughs> I have only done psychedelics a couple times, and the transition out of, like, our reality and into, like, a trip or an mm-hmm. experience or whatever is literally, like, the random symptoms that I would have throughout the day. Um, That's so pretty intense physical symptoms. Yeah. With it was, Connect, disconnection with reality. Yeah. Yes. Like, I really was, like, feeling like I was losing my mind because for a long time, a lot of things didn't line up with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would attach to, like, the very loving things, and then I would be very, like, questionable about like mission trips and evangelizing (laughs) over just building things or connecting or you know and I think it really spoke to me music like came through everything because I learned to have a relationship with music that was spiritual from the beginning and so that really helped me I could lose myself in music and connect to it in this very deep emotional way and then forget about all the details but that, you know, of course, comes up, you right. know, later. So 18 to 20, like, I couldn't even be in a conversation where God was mentioned. Anything that would even remotely trigger religion for me, I'm, like, spiraling in mm-hmm. anxiety. Because in my mind, I literally had to go through two years where I was telling myself in my mind, I don't believe in God. Like, saying it aloud, you know, in your thoughts. Because forever, it was, like, just, I knew it was there. But it was sitting so far in the back, like the voice in my mind wasn't even saying it because I was mm-hmm. still so afraid to say it, you know. And so finally, Do you like feel that. Guilty when you yes, say it. Yes. Yes. After literally, I'm like, oh, okay, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Like yes. I literally had <laughs> Please years. Please don't send me to hell. <laughs> yes. And it's so weird having that, and also like my coping mechanisms were to pray and to. Right. Like, that was all I was taught was, like, say verses over and over Mm -hmm. and over again, and that'll make your fear or whatever go away. And the power of confession is real. Well, the power of prayer, quote, unquote, is is real. real. But it's it's still that, like, my coping mechanisms were leading me back to this, like, the details of it. And, like, I was still tying myself to that religion that I was also trying to get away. So it was a really complicated time. And... Like Felina said, that comes up in my music a lot. And I think it's like a way to explain things to myself and validate to myself like none of this has to be real if you don't want it to be. Or like just analyzing it um, and how religion plays into our culture. That comes up a lot in my music. Um, I'm a little afraid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what my family's gonna say, but they kind of know. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, de- I can't them, live my life. You can't let them define you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to define yourself, and and yeah. and you know, you seem to be like accepting reality for what it truly is, versus trying, <laughs> trying to. Yeah, exactly. We're all trying. Yeah, exactly. And We're doing the best we can. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> doing the best that they can. I, well, I shouldn't say everybody is, but I mean. <laughs> Those of us that are that's trying, nice. if you're trying, yes. then you're then you're trying. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all anybody can ask. And yeah. like through going through that process of like almost like uh, reprogramming yes. yourself. You yeah. know, uh, I mean, yeah. I've, that's exactly talked what it is. To so many people, and I have so many friends. I mean, I was fortunate that I didn't really have it like for religion forced on me. I chose to do it mm-hmm. because like I wanted to be a part of something. 
but right. it was very easy for me to Which is a natural feeling right but it was much easier for me than I've realized a lot of other people who had it forced upon them to mm-hmm. transition out of that way of thinking yeah. so once I got to college I discovered I too discovered psychedelics and, uh, <laughs> and they change your life and I was like oh okay yeah. <laughs> so this is reality and all these things that I had questioned before were like oh well there was a reason yeah. and, and when you talked about like having it just like in the very far back of your mind like yeah. I I feel like religion spends so much time like I, I think it's so dangerous what it does to kids too like Definitely. you're you're just like hammering it into their little formative puddles brain cells mm-hmm. that this is the reality and it gets pushed so far back there and there's all this these issues they have to deal with later on in life if they're fortunate enough to mm-hmm. be exposed to anything different and yeah. be able to like come to terms with that reality that you know I think everybody has but mm-hmm. not every it's like a I see like this constant struggle in our society of people to like keep a hold of that reality that they were sold in as religion a yes. as a child mm-hmm. versus the reality that is looking at them in the face. Well, you know what I'm saying? Here's the deal though. Like and here's where like I've observed for years and I feel like it's this simple point. Religion sells you on the belief that you will live forever. Mhm. That is the point. And so we give children, we negate them from facing death mm-hmm. and the reality of death. And that is so much bigger. Like you don't want to change your beliefs when your belief tells you basically nothing's going to change. You're going to go through a transition. And in a lot of people's minds, because we can't fathom it, what you can't imagine is your own reality. So you imagine heaven as I have this body and that's basically what they tell you is like you will there's life after death. I don't know how many times I've heard that. When you hear that as a child, then death isn't scary. It's like believing in Santa. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like who wants to just believe that there isn't someone just bringing them presents if they decide to be good? It's the same concept. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're good by our standards and by what we want, <laughs> the elite, the reigning right. majority, then uh, you will get to live in heaven after you die. You won't even die. Like, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's, it's like Santa Claus, and you believe it your whole life. It and is. so it's that's emotional. what's terrifying, though, is facing everything that I thought about death is not real. And if I was a child who actually faced reality when I'm a child and when I'm kind of ignorant and I don't even understand too much, I would have had years of that being a non-issue to me mm-hmm. and me understanding that that's reality and now I'm 18, 20, 21 years old I'm coming into adulthood and I'm having an existential crisis because death is the most terrifying thing to me because I've believed all my life I'm going to basically live forever if, at the core if you look at it I believe I'm going to live forever and so when you give children that it's not healthy yeah. like, it's yeah. terrifying to think anything it else you know, yeah. you're sugarcoating life. Right. I and, told my... And you're teaching them to think... I mean, literally, we're taught, you know, in church and in Sunday school, that if you question these things, there's something then wrong with you. That's a sin. It's yes. a sin. You are yes. not allowed to question. And then... It's like a cult. Exactly. It is a cult. I, I have that conversation with a lot of people of how they make the distinction between cult and their and religion. religion. I'm like, yes. they're exactly the same. <laughs> They yeah. are the same They're thing. Exactly the the same. Same. Right. Yes. The difference is you, the differences are arbitrary at best, <laughs> and then that's also why we have trouble getting people to think about current social issues and helping mm-hmm. people now because you're literally taught the only thing that matters is Jesus is and the afterlife. Nothing well, else why matters have a here. Brain? Here's here's this book that is your brain. Don't go further than this. Why even have a brain? You are and it's our interpretation of these words too. Yeah, exactly. Everybody has their well, own we're flavor, gonna and they're the only ones right. We're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except for, you know, if you'll notice, um, still oppressing women. Yes, absolutely. Not, not reinterpreting that, you know, still believing that gay marriage is wrong. Except for, in the Bible, the only thing that God even said anything really negative about that was, like, sodomy. But sodomy then was when men soldiers were coming in and like pillaging villages and cities and then raping the right. men it was forced it was not consensual and that's what god was commenting on like don't steal someone's manhood don't steal someone's identity and don't just go in don't don't rape people right you know don't subject your power over someone else that's not okay it was never like i'm sorry but this type of love is wrong 
<laughs> like, I just hate that we're even having a big question over love. I'm like, why do Christians spend so much time deciding who they hate and who they're excluding when they're preaching love? Like, it's so weird to me. It's well, they just don't understand love. I mean, they don't understand what it truly means uh, to feel love no. or express love or teach love. Uh, well, they don't love themselves. They're no. sinners, Felina. The only person that well, loves right. them is God, right? Well, you're taught you know? to, you're taught self hate from the time from, you're from your first breath. Yes, because you oh. are inherently sinful. When you go back mm -hmm. to the pre, the doctrine of original sin, we're taught mm -hmm. we're inherently yep. flawed. We're inherently sinners. Mm -hmm. So you that are bitch bad. Eat. She ate that fucking apple. Yes, and know. we and oh, that yeah. exactly oh, is yeah. what as girls we're even worse. Yeah. Dirty. And and we're not our, of our own, you know, making either. We're from a, a rib of Adam. Oh, yes. I mean, we so are we belong to him. a piece of his life. Except for we birth you, so I don't understand. Like I feel like that's exactly why that was. Because that's power. Power. we have a power. It's yes. because it's, it's to remove us. We as have a literal superpower. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, it, we do. We have a superpower as women that men, like, we can create life in and birth it out of our bodies yeah. and mm -hmm. uh it seems like the patriarch uh religious patriarch you know since the catholic church and and i'm sure you know my religious history isn't that great <laughs> no, but you know <laughs> and and whatever came before you know it's like any way to interpret religion in a way that can take that away from women in that well i feel like it makes them feel invalidated that they don't have a bigger job yeah. so it's like Oh well, I'm the preacher, and God only speaks through me because right. you guys have the children. Well, God speaks to me. So. I can't believe I didn't know that your dad was a narcissist. Oh, I mean, there's so <laughs> many men. In, I mean, I guess we we have a lot of talks about narcissists. We've all yes. encountered. We've mm -hmm. all had our experiences them. with them. But this is my last interaction with my dad. Uh, two Februarys ago, he started sending me Jesus podcasts. Right, and we didn't really talk. We didn't really talk very much because he wouldn't talk to me when I was at bars. He would like playing shows. He'd be like, "You're wasting your life," and I can't believe you. Like you're doing all these things or whatever. He would like call my mom and be like, "How do you love her?" Like nice. my mom's just like, "Come on, you're like sick and twisted." Which also is kind of why I started to have a different perspective of religion because my mom was validating to me that my dad was not right and so then it was like oh you're validating to me that things can be not right in this and then i just started objectively looking at things you start using your brain yeah exactly and instead of your faith yeah exactly <laughs> sorry i don't want to believe we're all faulted like that's just ridiculous we come from the universe like we're not faulted we just are we all you know made of star stuff there's what no sophia will tell you we define what's good and bad so that's yeah. Anyway, so he started sending me podcasts, and he's like, well, it's your birthday month. I said, no, I know it's not. I'd send you something. And he did this every day for so long, and I was like, hey, Dad, you know, if you would ask me how I'm doing or what's up or want to chat with me at all, I may even feign interest right. in listening to this. Not like I'm going to get into it. I'll be like, yeah, check it out. But like, I just ignored him, and he was just like, well, you know what? It's my right to care about you and the afterlife for you because you are mine. And if you think that's wrong, then I wash my hands clean of you, and God has nothing uh, to do with you uh, to do with me where you are concerned. Exact fucking last words. Like fucking I always find that psycho. fascinating how people think if that you God doesn't want you to have anything to do with your children because they won't. But it's common. Oh, Especially well, it the tells you how you they feel about other people. Absolutely. It tells you that they cannot live and be and coexist with other people. They are constantly evangelizing. And if you are not like them, if the system was any other way, they would throw you out. They would Absolutely. kill you. They would they send would you to live and die. They don't mm -hmm. care. You are not people. No. You're not human. You they're not, inca not. They're incapable of... I mean, Ryan was just like this. I mean, he was raised yeah, super same. religious and... If the mindset continues, whether they hold on, especially in men, because they don't want... Like, you go into the world and you find more equality. You find more balance of things, not this power shift. Well, women, when they typically leave religion, <laughs> they find more power. They right. realize they were really oppressed because mm -hmm. it's even worse in religion. I mean, basically, it's just like, 
wife, submit to your husband. Our, mm-hmm. our job you know? is to be a baby factory and do what he says. Yes, and not And that's question. the way that they can Never take question. power over our ability to create life. Mm-hmm. And invalidate any other kind of needs, wants, desires, anything mm-hmm. that makes you a human being. Yeah. You know, you are just the just mother. Got a vagina. We are to, we yeah. are to serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God has called us to serve. Yeah. Ridiculous. And so I could not even count how many times I heard that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the whole dialogue. And that's my other thing, too, is, like, the dialogue and the way they speak to each other is so cool. Like, like I just Yeah, I mean, you get your own. There's a whole language well, and what that they people don't, from outside the teaching aren't like, even going to understand. Cause, and you yeah. don't even realize it when you're in there. No, you don't. Especially when you've grown up with it your whole life, yeah. that's your life. Did, you, did your church do where they call each other brother and sister instead of your name? Yes. I never noticed it growing up until I got out of it. And then I realized how fucking creepy that is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just like mm-hmm. what, what is all this yeah well and why don't you weird. call people in the like in the rest of the world that yeah that you know? they don't be my thought because mm-hmm. I was they like don't. okay because they don't everybody's count. a brother and sister mm-hmm. but they you know? don't yeah no. they don't you like, have to think like them mm-hmm. in order and you know one thing I never understood because like like I said I wasn't really it wasn't really forced on me and one thing I always thought about was like okay I can sit in church next to someone and we can all have been brought up in the same church and told the same things our entire lives and we're still going to have different interpretations of it so like Mm -hmm. sitting right next to this person in church who maybe like we had the exact same experience growing up is still going to think differently than I do so how can you choose any one religion and that was kind of how that was my exit from defining myself as a Christian because I did for a long time but once I came to that realization I'm like well, if you've got a whole, like, if you take that idea and, you know, largen it to where it's like, okay, well, I'm sitting on this side of the world and there's somebody sitting on the other side mm-hmm. of the world. And if we were all lined up together, our beliefs could just differ just a little bit to where you get all the way around the world and it's going to be totally different. Mm-hmm. And again, we're all trying to get to the same place, but we've got our different chosen paths. Mm-hmm. So at that point I was like, I picked no religion because mm-hmm. yeah. I believe there is an energy source there has to be some yeah. sort of life source um that fuels this reality this existence that we're all experiencing mm-hmm. together but i refuse to call it god and i and i refuse to say anybody's way of viewing this mm-hmm. system is wrong well, who am it's, i it's like, just right. it's just crazy to think that if there was a god and he created us and he was intelligent and knew we were going to create societies and define things and make up our own words like, why would we, one, think that we actually could ever understand mm-hmm. a plan from God because we have only known what we've known and what we've defined and what we've created? I feel and like two, it's why like would super he care? narcissistic for us to think that we can understand God. <laughs> I don't know. And how all this thing, We see God in our image. Why? Right. We're creating but, Because but we're projecting No, we don't That's see, thing. We don't yeah. see like God in our ego. image, though, because did you ever see God as a woman growing up? Right. I... I actually questioned that a lot, I and I too. was told, you know, and of course they're like, no, that's God wrong, doesn't blah, have blah, a blah. gender, except for oddly all, you know, Jesus. Except you're calling him Father. Male. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> father, Son. I'm like, so basically, he's the only Probably man gosh. to ever actually create a person because mm-hmm. none of you guys can do it. Yeah, exactly. I was not a popular child. That's so true. <laughs> I almost didn't get, I went through confirmation at the Lutheran church and like right before, like the eve of confirmation, my, my minister was like, I don't know if Felina, like told my mom, that I don't know if we should confirm her. She just asks too many questions. <laughs> How dare you use your brain, Felina? <laughs> How dare you be intellectual? And if you find though, a lot of academic people are not Christian or anything. They're mm-hmm. typically the religions like that I've found the people who like still hold on to them, it's the ones that you can kind of hold on to at like an arm's length, like Catholicism or Jew, like being Judaism. Jewish. Yeah, and it's um, more of like, it's almost like a cultural thing yes, in a lot of ways. Exactly. Which I totally understand. I can, yeah, yeah, I can appreciate I that. I mean, like there are still things about the Lutheran church that I grew up with that I actually do like still, oh, yeah. but it was more about the culture and community of it versus like the beliefs are so far apart from where I am now yeah but but yeah I can appreciate that yeah I mean I still took a lot of teachings and a lot of things um that I believed in 
I mean, I was just talking just the other day about fear and a lot of what I believe about fear and how I handle my life to avoid just being fearful and adding fear to my life is based on things that I was taught at church, mm-hmm. you know, like what you put in you comes out or whatever. And because in my case, like I get anxiety and what do we do? We take from our archive of fear as much as we know of fear and we watch scary movies, mm-hmm. you know, all these fearful things like the world is already scary. So for me, I still take the belief that I did when I was you know, religious, like, I don't really watch scary movies or anything that I don't think that I want to add to my archive of fear, because you make that archive really big, and you can easily live a fearful life if you're an anxious person like me, you know, so, you know, there are different teachings that are even still kind of unconventional, or kind of like, you know, other people don't really think about that stuff, Mm -hmm. um, that were like, you know, deep cuts in my religion, that (laughs) I still believe, but it has nothing tied to Well, and those things usually also, like, stand uh, stand up on their own. Yes, exactly. They don't need religion to support the ideology of whatever Um, it is that you've hung on to. And the other thing is that, like, uh, whenever I was in college and undergrad, um, for my, I was, uh, got a degree in public relations and we had to give like a speech on just whatever topic we wanted to mm-hmm. and for whatever reason I decided to, to, to talk on world religions and uh, and because uh, I wanted to have some do some research and support my you know theory that you know we're all trying to get to the same place just you know from our different path you know yeah. from our different perspective all trying to get to the same place and so I did a bunch of research on uh, various religions in the world and found that like you know, biblical stories that are, are told uh, are, you know, the miracle that, uh, you know, God cured mm-hmm. a leper was like his first miracle, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, I, and I, I, it's been too long that I can't remember what other religion, but there's another religion that that's the same, same story. And there are so many overlaps mm-hmm. in the mythology. Exactly. Let's call it what it is. It's mythology, yes, exactly. you know? And there's so many overlaps in these stories. Mm-hmm. And that's all they are is just stories like Aesop's fables mm-hmm. to demonstrate, uh, uh, you know, so that our little minds and, and somehow we are like, oh, that's not a fake. Like you can just read Aesop's fables and think, oh, well, that's a story. But we're going to believe this Bible uh-huh. as reality. Yeah. And like, that, that's the thing. Like, and I, I have that conversation yeah. with a lot of educators because they'll, call, they'll talk about the Bible, you know, is religion or whatever or truth. <laughs> And they're talking about our traditional stories as myths, right? I'm like, uh-huh. yours being uh, native right. stories, right? And I'm like, but really, it's all mythologies, it's all right? Mythology. It's all mythologies. Yes. And it's funny because when I we talk to anthropologists a lot about when they're talking, they they write about us because uh-huh. I don't know. Apparently, we're fascinating or something. I'm saying. And. Uh, so they talk about it and they say, well, say my, my, my tribe's Choctaw, right? Well, they believed that we were literally created out of the mound, right? Because one of our, our, quote, origin stories is we, were, we came up out of the Naniwaya, the mother mound. And they, they, they think they were created right here and they laid out, you know, God made them out of the mud and they laid out and dry. Well, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. our story. But it's a metaphor, and it was always understood yeah. as a metaphor. Uh-huh. And it's the same Whereas with the Bible. Whereas in Christianity, it's not it's the old It's not presented as a metaphor. No. Exactly. But even in the Bible, if you start looking at historically at the Old Testament in the Jew- Jewish oral traditions, they understood those stories as metaphors. metaphors. Uh-huh. It wasn't until later when they People were using Christianity for political power yes, and exactly. control, they started teaching that it was literal and that all these stories were to be believed exactly as they were written mm-hmm. which that's actually insane. which actually you lose most of the meaning of them when you do it, it that way and that's just Literally. insane yeah that's mm-hmm. just insane but you're right i mean it is politically motivated and uh people who are so ingrained in their religion don't realize that they're also being ba- being brainwashed by like the well, gop because they I'm don't sure. bother to look at the history mm-hmm. i mean the council of nicaea the bible as we know it now was crafted by Constantine for political reasons and he didn't hide that like, right it, that's documented mm-hmm. but if you bring that up in church they will kick you out <laughs> I have been prayed for more than once for this <laughs> I'll pray for you uh, the my most condescending thing my, uh, my grandmother who's also a minister called me out from the pulpit please God save summer soul 
so that she does not go to hell because she has turned away from you. That was the last time I attended church with my grandmother. <laughs> you know, like, I I think we probably can all agree with Einstein. I mean, his, <laughs> his theory was that our brains are not developed enough to understand the vastness that is the oh, creation of, our, of ourselves. I barely I mean, understand my absolutely. own life, let alone everything that's... And, and, well, and we don't this. need to. No, yeah. and all these religions are just, like, taking a fucking guessing stab at it as to what happen and then it's their guess is no better than the fucking flying spaghetti monster mm-hmm. churches I, which you know, i kind of find interesting which is i think re- it's hilarious yeah <laughs> but i mean it's nobody i mean I, we should just start salty pussy's church yes yeah i just not thought of that i think it'd be great anyway. <laughs> i keep saying i keep saying i want to be a cult leader yeah you yeah know, i can be convincing and i'm i'm not tr- not threatening people give hey, me just money sell, right just, just not sell a, a product i mean you're yeah, just not well that's all it is that's all it is that's all it is we already got cool. We are our cult. We're a cult of our own self. That's right. <laughs> hey. the church of summer. Yeah. <laughs> so what were you taught about sex? So. Purity culture is a bitch. <laughs> yeah, purity culture is a bitch. So here, well, uh, I was going to tell that story, but that's not really too applicable. Because okay. uh, the person that I first had sex with was probably too old for well, I don't know. I'm still torn about this because he was like three years older than me. Okay. Um, How old three and a half. Uh, I was ten days before I turned sixteen, y'all. I tried to wait. <laughs> <laughs> but like, this is the only person I had. You know, I had been dating them for like a year. Like, That's I'm a still... long time to go without having sex with them. Yeah, exactly. And um, so and it just was happening naturally, and it was a really great experience with someone I felt very safe with who kind of knew a little more than me but wasn't you know had always had longer relationships or just like you know like a year you know when you're younger longer relationships are six months a year or whatever you know and was like he was very into theater he was kind of a girly dude he was really funny kind of like a comedian type and just like very sensitive he grew up with only his mom his dad killed himself when he was like four years old and so he had a very strong female influence and I felt very safe with this person Mm -hmm. um definitely my ambitions were much higher than his (laughs) um so by my senior year like this is the thing I dated him from freshman year to senior year but when my parents found out that I had sex with him they like called their cop friends right like what? Have them come what the fuck's the cop gonna do about talk it? To me. Well, he w- he had just turned nineteen, and I so. was just turning sixteen, and so we were literally like a month apart uh, in like our birthdays, and so that was interesting. I definitely got caught a couple times like watching porn, and they were just like, "This is so dirty and bad." But it's like, for me, I would rather teach my children. Um, that they can explore their sexuality on their own and find pleasure on their own in their own space in their own privacy Then teach them especially women that you're gonna have to find it sneakily and with another man because here's the deal Boys are gonna go in there and they know themselves and they are told to be more confident and so typically like if you don't know what you're doing, you're gonna find someone who's already done it and then they're gonna tell you what they want and then your sexuality is now defined through their fantasy of you or what they want from you right. and not you finding in yourself what you like, what you want, how you express yourself, knowing your body. Like think of a woman who, you know, 15, 16 year old, whenever you start becoming curious, feels free enough to like take care of herself, explore with herself, find her own sexuality, in herself on her own time and then when she feels a good enough connection with someone else she knows like this is how I treat myself and this is how I respect myself if you're not going to do that I'm not going to have sex with you I feel like it would save women so much trouble oh my god I was so So promiscuous I was so I mean oh yeah because I wanted to like you want to learn what it is well and I like I was pretty sexually advanced (laughs) for my age and and I like didn't inherently feel shame for it either, but I, I was didn't told, as a child. I was told to feel shameful for it though. Like as a teenager, you know, mm-hmm. I was, I knew I should be secretive because I was being told that I should be ashamed of the things that I was doing. Yes. And the truth was, is I had nothing to be ashamed of. I yeah. just was more sexually advanced and and uh, 
you know, more curious and open than other girls People. my age. Me too. My entire friend group, actually. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah, I had like one other friend who I could be open about that kind of stuff with, but for the most part, I couldn't tell anybody the shit that I was doing. Yeah, you know? I couldn't really either. But I didn't feel shame about it until after I left my religion. Really? Actually. That's when I started to struggle because then it was more of a lifestyle. Like, it wasn't like, oh, well, it's fine. Like, this is what I want to do, and I'm going against someone to do this. Like, now it's like, you actually have to be okay with this. Like, so in and of yourself. taking that full ownership. Yeah. And that complex. When you teach people sex is gross, like, their whole life, then when you're an actual fully developed sexual being and an adult and when I wasn't like when it wasn't like just exciting and new anymore then like I had these like weird feelings of like just feeling gross sometimes after like immediately Mm -hmm. but then feeling fine five minutes later just this like gross like stop touching me get away from me right now I felt that before too but I actually usually attributed that feeling to uh, later on recognizing that the men that I was with weren't respecting me. Well, that, and for me, it's, like, kind of tied to, like, body issues, too. Like, just this, like, heaping feeling of, like, from the world, also, they tell us, like, you know, they kind of, like, invalidate you sexually if you don't look a certain way mm-hmm. in our culture and, like, the imagery of our culture. And so you don't really see... Like, you don't really see a lot of normal women or women outside of one version really talking about sex, um, promoting anything sexy or sexual or just, like, championing it and, Mm -hmm. like, being real unless you go to porn, which is very extreme, and it's such a male gaze. Mm -hmm. Like, in a lot of porn, um, if you're looking for feminist porn, Erica Lust. Um, She's really, really awesome. I really like her. Like... Dudes, like, like that's the thing is that dudes would actually be okay with understanding female sexuality and female gaze, but they've lived in a world where it's been 100% male gaze. Yes. Mm-hmm. And extremely male gaze to, like, certain fetishes, like, certain si- size of women and other things. Like, men are pretty boxed in for what we give them for their sexuality. Like, I'm like, it's sad To the point where it interferes with a normal sex life for some. It does. I've been with men who absolutely could not function normally. Yes. Because. They're so so tied to that imagery. And then it's shameful if you get outside that box. Mm -hmm. It's been so interesting. Like, I've had so many phases of my life where I've been single. uh, Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, like, almost approaching 40 now. Yeah. And, like, just... uh, seeing the uh, change in men's ideology as well because when they're boys they do definitely buy into like the image of you know the perfect little body that a woman yeah when they see it everyone's like oh i'm just now watching porn and now i'm just like following instagram girls or you know magazines Mm -hmm. it's the playboy body it's the tiny little girls you know like that's Mm -hmm. what they're told and they very much buy into it but then you even at that age like I've always been curvy and like mm-hmm. I always would end up like sleeping with men or boys we were <laughs> so young yeah. that secretively desired someone who was shaped more like me but felt like they had to desire yeah they had to present to the world that that they, they would have a girlfriend mm-hmm. who was you know more you know, quote unquote, like perfect. They had the trophy, right? But they desired me, and mm-hmm. I was curvy, and I was yeah. Latin, and I was different. You know. Well, and they probably had a connection with who you were as well, because absolutely, they're told like your sexuality is expressed through the images that you like, through imagery, mm-hmm. not through connection, not mm-hmm. through knowing your own sexuality, not through I'm going to connect with someone else when we have sex as to people because Mm -hmm. we should have a sexuality in and of ourselves like we should be able to quote unquote make love to ourselves without having to watch someone else in my opinion because that's still a connection with someone else you're just choosing that you would rather take a cheap connection like you're really just admitting that you have no connection to yourself as a real person and as like 
just it's like, like something soul. that's separate from you and yes. outside yourself i yes. feel like some people require that because there is that shaming of you're mm-hmm. you're, you're not, not supposed to do this yes. this is inferior in some ways in fact there's an early episode of the podcast where i talked to a sex therapist and she says that's one of the the things that a lot of her her clients have they come in with was they've been taught all this time that what does she call it self-sex or sex yes. with yourself is somehow inferior so it's inherently shameful it should be and the so then they don't even learn. know what they like even yes. though they've been they've been masturbating for ever yeah they don't even know what they like because no, it's well, been it's just, just like let's hurry up and get this done because watch it's shameful something or yes exactly. and so they don't even explore or know and then you take that into your sex with other with partners too and it's just makes for a dissatisfying well and when it is shameful you gravitate towards shameful um objectifying like things that turn you on because you're already shamed in and of yourself and so that's where you go instead of going towards positive things or connecting with someone or like Mm -hmm. this mutual thing or just like liking anything other than stuff where it's like someone is degrading themselves for you on a camera and it's just quick it's it could be 30 seconds it could be two minutes you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i feel like the average person like especially like Pornhub and shit like degrading porn i feel like they don't watch more than like a minute or two minutes you know because it has to be that it's very goal oriented (laughs) and let me see your parts and then i want to see other parts because it's not about a person at all and it's like we really disconnect Mm -hmm. ourselves like in our humanity i feel sorry for people like that though because i've had such connected sex and like later on in life and like i remember i remember being like 16 years old and like hooking up with this boy and he like like he, I, I remember asking him, like we had sex and it was like not satisfying for me at all. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking him if he would like satisfy me after mm-hmm. and he wouldn't do it, you know? Interesting. Yeah. It was so one-sided. And now well, like. Well, that's what they're conditioned to yeah, sex to be. Now like 20 years later, I am like making sure that I get my <laughs> hey, first. Hey, hey. Yeah, and you are going to, and I don't, I don't even want to be with men who don't find it no. appealing to satisfy me. Like, well, because they're never the coming image. back if that's what they that's do. That's about the <laughs> image not of even you. I had a woman. I had a woman with these parts who look like this, not, mm. hey, I'm having sex with Felina, which with. includes This isn't her. something I'm doing mm-hmm. to her. To, this is something we are doing like, together. Yeah, I, I definitely like am pretty picky about my partners now and that they must be interested. And, and I, because that I am too. That like common ground. That like, should be like, yeah, you like should you of course want, want to pleasure me. Like <laughs> to find pleasure in giving that pleasure, you know? like And that's what I do. Like I find pleasure in giving that, but I want it to be... Mutual. Yeah. You know? And it really, it is a scary thing to realize that a lot of men are going about life and their pleasure is absolutely separate from ours and cannot even, can easily not even include us. Mm -hmm. Or, But ours, typically, if we're going to have sex with a man, he's like... Like, I want you to... You have to be enjoying this in some way to like even... Be into me. Well, yeah, because my brain is like the thing that needs to be turned on. Me too. You know, like I, I am, and it took me years to figure that out as mm-hmm. well, which is because we're not that, taught that. Well, that's we what should I was be say. teaching. Like, that them is something that connection. Up. Yeah, I like this person. It turns me and on. And you want to share more of yourself with someone because you have that connection. Yes. You know, like that's not where because, it should hey, be you rooted have in. Nice tits. Yeah, there's a million nice tits in the fucking world. Like, yeah. look them up online if that's all you can see is like this image, like thing. Right. Like, yeah. Like like, I know. I couldn't imagine just like hooking up with someone anymore just based off how they look at all. Like, I can. Really? Really? And Mr. Do you love me? The other day, I'm like, uh, well, we online date a lot now. Well, I'm I'm in a much different place. But I, I think that's because I have, because of my trauma and stuff, I have compartmentalized needs as far as Mm -hmm. sex. Sometimes I need a partner that I'm connected to. Sometimes I need a disconnected partner because there's a compulsive sexual component 
to um, the borderline personality as far as dealing yeah. with the trauma. And so, like, I don't want to have the con- You know, when he texted me, do you love me? And I'm like, I don't even want to have this conversation. Well, we don't talk for a reason. Right. You are not there. I'm like, we're nice, we're respectful, but they're saying it. it. Yeah. Well, and I would still say that that's a certain kind of connection because yes, you have connected both. Well, it's just a primarily physical connection as opposed yes. to an emotional And I one. feel like you know when you connect with someone yeah. real fucking quick. That's true. You know, yeah. like, you know if you can mesh with them and you know immediately when you do not, you know? Yeah. And so that's my thing. It's like, I could never just not like someone at all and fuck them because I think they're hot. Oh, that is I'm not never, even to touch me. I don't, yes, <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, touch, don't me. Like, touch me. It's just so not about looks first. Like, if I just think you're boring as fuck or you are just totally distasteful or just rude or you give off any kind of energy that I'm not into, like, I can easily find something I like about someone and I don't need to know anything else about them and it could probably work, you know, but, like, the minute there's something that's like, oh, man, that yeah, that kind feels of like that, uh-huh. you know, yeah. I'm like, no, I don't care how no. hot you are, like, yeah. I just don't think I could do it. Yeah, I mean, I I have allowed those things to happen. Of course, but but those are the experiences where I feel gross after. Yes, those are the ones that I feel gross after. Typically, I'm not as like pleasured. Like, oh, of it's not, not as pleasurable no. at all. So that's why to me it's I'm like, like I'd rather it. just masturbate. Yes, exactly. The, like, <laughs> yeah, because I can just take it out. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Sex is weird. I mean, <laughs> it's weird to live in this day and age. I mean, it's good because things are changing, and I think we are... Well, we're more open about talking about it, too. Like, that's yes. kind of why we have this podcast, is to talk about things that are supposed to be... I mean, that's the theme of Broken Broken, is to talk about something that was supposed to be shameful taboo. and taboo. And, and make it... To take away that shame. And, and take the, away the, the funny thing is, of all of the topics that we've covered in, what are we, at, like, 25 episodes or something like that, so all of the topics that we've covered the only one that gets snide remarks or you know gets the side eye from people are the topics about sex which is so interesting because we're in such a hypersexualized society but such honest honest communication about sex makes people sex. right yeah, it makes people some, uncomfortable wasn't there some comment about people, my episode the comment about your episode was about the photo it was cri- criticizing us for um for pandering to male gaze, which my response was not all nudity is sexual and not all female nudity is for male gaze. And this clearly wasn't. Yeah, like and in that <laughs> picture I, I just keep hearing male gaze like as in G A Y And that's some, every time someone says that I'm just gonna Well laugh. maybe <laughs> maybe she posed in her lingerie for gay men. You know? <laughs> you, could have you don't know what I do. That's right. Okay, you know, I took that picture for myself. You've seen it, the one on with the well, guitar. With the guitar. Here's the deal. And I we thought don't... it was perfect. It was Felina with her soulmate. Her, no. her music. I yeah. love it. Here's the deal. We don't like women who are owning their sexuality. Exactly. That's the thing is her picture was her feeling good about mm-hmm. herself and yes. her claiming this is what I want. But it wasn't actually in some model esque selling something right. just like this ridiculous and so that's when things get commented on. We don't want to see women feel good about themselves exactly. unless it's the models who are selling us something. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so ridiculous. We wanna like believe that real women are like not sexual. And this is the weird thing too, with men, they're like, Oh well, I should be able to see all these things, like all these women and all these things, but you should not be able to express yourself in the women, like the women that I want to it's look at. It's the Madonna and the whore thing. You know, oh. a lot of men can't be with a woman who is both. They, True. like, I know so many men who, like, cheat like, on their wives. Sex. I, I, I mean, I know many. I, and the, I have been the side girl many times oh, because yeah. of this. Because, because he's connected the, with her, but he can't be a sexual, the sexual because he person. Can't he wants sexual. To be she's with the her. Madonna. Yes. You're the whore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I get that yeah. too. Like, I'm But always, that's a male problem. Yeah. And that's such it a absolutely gross is. part and of I our feel society. Bad. And I feel bad for him. That both of them. Mm-hmm. Him yeah. and her. Well, it makes me like, you guys don't have a complete, and I always I've always told, I always told them, I think you need to go to therapy and deal with this because the problem is not your relationship with your wife. Yeah, the problem is in your you, own head. 
It's not your I wife isn't sexy enough or whatever. Like you have to give someone room to be who they are. And if you cut them off, and if they can see how you view women from your day to day life, if they can see that what you're looking for is always something else on fucking line, and it's always this thing that's being sold to you and is mm-hmm. over the top, that woman is going to see that what you want in women is an image. You don't want to see them as a full human being, so they're never going to feel fully expressible to you. Well, yeah, I mean, like, the situation that I'm thinking of that had happened to me, like, the guy's wife, I'm sure, doesn't feel like a whole person, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure she is both the Madonna and the whore. We all are. We all have both both parts. They have to I feel sorry for her because she's not going to be getting, she's probably not getting that desire from him that she craves because he's giving it everywhere else because he can't see well, his own wife in that way. Well, and who wants mm-hmm. to give someone a part of them when they can see that their man is looking on, like if you view women in just like this image way, you can't be a person and so it's like, that's not my real sexuality, so sorry it's not desirable to me to just wear lingerie for you or bend over for you or do all these things for you, like that's not actually me as a person, that's me looking like something else. That's mm-hmm. not even a connection with me. Yeah. I'm your master masturbatory but, but you not a or person. someone else is not the person that lives mm-hmm. with them and sees how they treat women and so right. they know that they can come to you and go oh well I can see that whore mm-hmm. in you or whatever mm-hmm. but that's still not seeing you as a real person because it's no. like oh well it's you're not, not an option to have fully mm-hmm. you're not the mother it's like most men do not see us as whole people. No. Right. Exactly. Objectification. Period. They, Period. Yeah. they want to coexist with us, but then we can't have our own sexuality. So it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's like that comment about my photo, it's like, okay, well, I'm not, you're objectifying me by seeing it that way. I didn't yeah. create it that way. Like this is a, you know, I'm a whole person and like this is how I choose to, rep- I choose to represent well, myself. Well, wasn't a sexual no, but it's not. But it's not because you know what's sexual? Here's my fucking pussy. Right. You know what's sexual? <laughs> like here, like I'm like bent over like like come fuck me. You know, right exactly. Yeah. Like not. you know, what like we live and breathe under these clothes. Did you guys know that? Right. Did you, did you guys know we have actual but any bodies? Female nudity is considered sexual. Well, and you're being sexual because I think you're attractive. Yeah. You're you're telling me yes by posting this. And I feel like I should be able to have you. So you're coming like you're you're tempting me in some way. I can't appreciate you and I was thinking about this last night. I was thinking about this too. Honestly, looking at you, because I was watching Felina play last night and I was like, Man, you have nice tits. I'm like, (laughs) but but here's the deal. I literally thought, I thought, what if I we lived in a world where and I even know that it's still uncomfortable to this today that I could go to a husband like, oh, that's sexy, without wanting to have sex with that or without even thinking anything else. Like, we just can't identify something that is sexy without also wanting it and thinking that it should be ours. And I think that's a male thing that women take too because they know that's how men think. Mm-hmm. If I think that that's sexy or I can go, that's sexy. That is a sexy thing. It's not from a respectable place of that's sexy or that person's sexy or you know oh yeah she has like a sexy dress on tonight or like that's that's really flattering or this or that because if they think that it's like they're taught if you think it's sexy it should be yours and if it is sexy then that means it is there to be yours Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. that those tits are there so if you then but then it's your problem then it makes it the female's problem well if you show it then you're saying yes to all them because we can't just acknowledge that's sexy well, that's, and that's beautiful, but I, you know, I'm absolutely. not trying to have sex with you. I'm not, you know, pursuing well, you. Well, and, and that's why I like owning my own sexuality very yeah. publicly, especially mm-hmm. like the older I get, the more yeah. comfortable I've gotten with that. That's why mm-hmm. I wrote that song I wrote. It's like going out on the town, got my uh, well, high heels even... on. Don't, uh, you know, don't flatter yourself, baby. This is for me, not you. Because mm-hmm. like right. I'm doing this for me, and that's I what going out there to find someone I want. This isn't. Or, these are not all yeses like to you. Or I just like how just I feel look. Like it. Like, well, right. Like I, I find that even in crit- critique about makeup, you mean men have told me you don't need the makeup. I'm like, what makes you think this shit was for you? That's the thing. Is they I put it for on them. because that I me. like the way I look. I like being able to alter the way I look because it's fun. Yeah. I, also I, was... hair. I didn't think about you when I did this either. Yeah. Like none of this has yeah. anything to do but with you, motherfucker. But they think it's all like... about that. Yeah. What we, how we dress, what we wear, where we go, how we everything walk. Is everything is a, everything is a yes them. to them. Yes. 
Everything is a yes. We are walking, talking questions to them, and that is a problem. That I should a problem. be a period. I should be a like command. Like I am myself. Period. Not am I yours? Right. Yeah. Like I don't or walk around. Yeah. Like my tits are not a question mark for you. Like you can go, hey, that's attractive. That's sexy. But it's but if they have that thought, a lot of them, it's like they can't separate. Like oh, that's sexy. Now I want that. Mm-hmm. And it's like. Mm-hmm. Because you see that online every day, because you see that in magazines every day, because you see this, and you know for a fact that it's put there for you, so you think every time mm-hmm. you see it, that's for that you, and that's them. a yes. Mm-hmm. That's not a yes. This is that's not a yes. so you. complicated. The attraction and, and mm-hmm. relationships between men and women, it's so complicated. It's so rare to find a man as a, you know, as a straight woman that uh, can do... See you in <laughs> as a your person. Whole person. <laughs> See, my first boyfriend though, like he was like that, and so I had a really wonderful like sexual experience and like growing up. That after that, I was like, what the h? Like, well, you made a good choice with your husband. He's <laughs> yeah, also like that. Yes, he is. You know, we're fortunate. I, I feel fortunate to get to observe the relationships that are in our Little creative collective. Because yeah. Percy and Craig and, and Jeremy and Lauren and you and Dustin, like, all have, you've, all the women have found and men have found these, like, great matches. These yeah. women that are, they see you as a whole and are respectful. And Definitely. I'm just glad I get to be friends with these guys. Yeah. <laughs> It gives you good examples it, of like, yeah. okay, this is what I can expect. Yeah, I'm like, my definitely my standards have gotten much higher <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> since I have become a part of this group and, and been exposed to what a quote-unquote healthy relationship mm-hmm. looks like. And well, and I shouldn't even healthier that men. <laughs> healthier men towards women. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, because a lot of men, they can be healthy in a lot of their lives, and that's all we judge them for, and we don't grade them on how they actually think about and treat women and what their actions actually mean towards their beliefs mm-hmm. about women. Right. And the men that we're around, like, in, you know, with our little group, they have very healthy thoughts and mindsets about women. They're not limiting in any way. Honestly, like, they have probably more of a limiting thoughts about males. Because yeah. they've seen how far how it's we got true. here, and they're like, "Well, it's men, you know, it's like true. it's men fucking men, <laughs> you know." And so that's really reassuring for me because I worked with people like you know Dustin is not in that way at all, but he has a huge um, detachment from his father. His father is like the devil, and his he basically helped raise his sisters, and so he was you know, always around women and could see them and, you know, respect them Mm -hmm. and just saw them for what they were instead of learning in the outside world about them because his his childhood was very different and he didn't get as much of, like, exposure to outside beliefs and thoughts because he was so caught up in dealing with what was going on in his house, which helped him because he didn't get all those beliefs that just, like, were grounded into his head about women and about his place in life and all these things so he can just communicate and Mm -hmm. hear what people you know women are saying Mm -hmm. and what they want and kind of observe them Mm -hmm. from a little bit more of an objective standpoint Mm -hmm. you know well he sees them as just people yes exactly and the people we work with like they are the same way and the people I worked with before were so limiting like they would not hear my beliefs they would not hear my songs they would not hear my ideas they would not hear anything literally they would be like oh well you just you sound like a girl can you sing more like this or oh my friends think you're good but you just sound like a girl i literally heard that so many times from johnny manchild thank you (laughs) you and your friends literally like telling me all the time like you you just sound like a girl like what were you supposed to can you sing like like, can you sing like this this woman or this female or like Oh, well, they, you know, my friend just said it sounds like a girl. Or my friend wants to quit the band because, you know, he just doesn't really like girl singers. Like, how many oh, times can this fucking Oh, my God. Come no, and I know. And all your friends are saying it? No, you've been saying it the whole time. Now, I've gotten a lot of the, like, I just don't want to, I, I need a male singer. I need a male singer. I don't want a female singer. Like, it took me forever to find a band, period, just because you know, I couldn't find anybody I wanted to work with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, there's With a the lot fucking... of sexism going on in the yeah. music industry. Well, we, need to, 
We both hit the jackpot with our mutual bandmates. Yeah. They're all amazing and, they and are. awesome. And we're getting close to an hour, maybe yeah. I've already breached it. So <laughs> talk Ooh. a little bit about your tour and what yeah. you've got coming yes. up. Yeah. So um, Layers of Pink will be on tour from, well, we're going to do a tour in April into May, and then we're going to do a few more. So from like April to October, we will be just like playing and traveling. So that's really exciting. And we're going to release two singles in January. The end is coming and the end. We're just calling it the NDP. And then we've got another six songs coming out next year. So definitely keep up. You can find us on social media, Layers of Pink, everywhere. And you can also support me at our Patreon for literally a dollar a month. So if you like to help musicians, you can adopt this one. <laughs> Please do on my Patreon. And what's your, your website? www.layersofpink.co Co. Yes. C-O. No, not com. Co. Co. Someone has .com even though it is literally nothing. Oh, that's and they won't sell it to you they for won't a sell reasonable it. price. They won't even name. respond to that. Ah, yeah. so annoying. You can contact the podcast at BrokeBrokenPodcast at gmail.com. The Broken Broken Podcast can be found on Twitter at BrokeBrokenShow, on Instagram and Facebook at BrokeBrokenPodcast.